Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, August 30th, 2019, and today I will begin the debate process concerning socialism versus capitalism. I believe that the 2020 presidential campaign will be a debate between those who advocate socialism and those who advocate capitalism, and to that end, this report will from time to time enter that debate. I will begin with a quote from Winston Churchill, quote, the inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries, end quote. That quote from Mr. Churchill is from a speech before the House of Commons given on October 22, 1945. He had just brought Great Britain successfully through the most terrible war in human history, and was seeking re-election as Prime Minister. Mr. Churchill was not re-elected primarily because the people wanted socialism, and he definitely was not a socialist. All tides rise, all tides recede, empires rise and fall, nations rise and fall over the course of history, over the centuries. Socialism seems to be on the rise in America. Further intervention in the economy by the government would seem to be inevitable. Those of us who think the trend toward socialism and its ideas is a very bad thing should endeavor to refute those ideas by rebutting them in open debate whenever possible. Through debate, we can perhaps convince people that the ideas of AOC and all the Democrat candidates for president aren't very good ideas. Debate is a far better approach Then violence and shouts of send her back. Socialism is essentially an avenue for globalism to travel on because it favors a world socialist state. Socialism advocates such as all Democrat politicians pretend to favor minority rights, but as Ayn Rand pointed out, the smallest minority is an individual. If you don't favor individual rights, how can you truthfully say You favor minority rights. I will point out that a lynch mob is a majority. It has only one dissenting vote. The individual screams, don't steal my labor and my property. The mob screams, we want your labor and your property for free, and we will take it by majority vote. Therefore, socialism is theft, but is also the enslaving of one class of people to the government and to more favored classes. Granted, we already have a certain degree of socialism in America, social security, government control of medical care, government control of banks, so on and so forth. These things are all here to stay. So they serve as anchors to allow more and more government intrusion into the economy to serve the needs of those who benefit from such intrusion politically. In other words, the camel's nose is under the tent, and certain politicians are now urging us to push the whole camel in. The trend toward socialism that is gripping America and the world right now is the fourth major effort by the globalist to increase centralized control through government power in the last 100 years, the fourth in 100 years for a century. Certain people have been steering the government of America away from the people and into their hands, little by little, inch by inch. The camel is moving into the tent so that he is now almost completely in. He could be in 
Within less than two years, I've done many. Castle reports on the first centralized grab for power that occurred in 1913 when the Federal Reserve was established as the country's central bank and was given control over the nation's monetary system. Congress also gave us the income tax that year, which has little by little increased government power at the expense of working people. I argue that the Federal Reserve is very bad for the American people because it allows the government unlimited funds through counterfeiting, and it discourages any limits on spending. Perhaps the most important concept in all of this discussion, and those to follow, is that to have liberty, you must have a sound currency. You simply cannot allow the government to expand itself by counterfeiting. We must stop the counterfeit funding of endless wars and endless vote-buying by doing so, we will stop the empire and return to the republic. The end of the Federal Reserve, therefore, means the end of the empire. Therefore, the Fed lives forever. The Great Depression brought about the second grab for centralized power by the federal government. Remember, the anchor allowing government control of the economy was already in place from 1913. The 1934 Gold Reserve Act banned Americans from owning gold and forced them to surrender their sound money to the Treasury Department. That act was a clear, if unrecognized, message to the American people that they were no longer a free people. The New Deal programs of 1937 forced government control over much of the private sector and extended the precedent for such interventions in the future. The third grab for government power was 1971 when President Nixon cut the last ties between gold and the dollar. He had an obligation coming out of post-World War II agreements to exchange foreign-held dollars for gold at $35 per ounce. The Great Society programs of President Johnson, coupled with the cost of the Vietnam War, made it very difficult to continue the exchange at that level, so President Nixon defaulted on the agreement. From that moment on, the world, and certainly America, has been on a credit money system, or a system of credit is money. As most people believe, Washington now has the power to fund its spending programs without restraint. Each year, the power in Washington simply adds another zero to the deficit. We were quite alarmed when the power debt started to climb each year from $200 billion to $400 billion under the austerity of Ronald Reagan to the now $1 trillion-plus austerity of Donald Trump. I'm not talking about a trillion-dollar budget, folks. I'm talking about spending a trillion dollars more than revenue year after year so the debt service grows and grows. Congress doesn't even bother with a budget anymore, so at least they've stopped the facade this type of spending which has been going on now for almost 50 years, gives rise to the illusion that spending has no consequences, that the only thing restraining government from making everything free is the greed of politicians and their corporate sponsors. There really is such a thing as a free lunch because any bank can simply create money on, the com on its computers. This idea that money has no real value and can simply be created are more likely stolen from others is the fourth power grab by government and those who seek to control it. 
Some can see the indirect and delayed consequences of policy proposals, but others cannot. Too often, it seems, those who cannot see are the ones who actually make the proposals. They seem to think that what is happening in Venezuela today, what happened in Zimbabwe in the near past, as well as in 1981 Poland, when General Jaruzelski came to power only one month before, declared martial law that was the beginning of the end of Poland's disastrous experiment with socialism. Socialism is a destructive force that doesn't work except to destroy. It destroys economies and countries. Socialism is the forceful control of other people's lives and property. Said differently, it is an evil on a very basic level. Many prominent Democrats, including all presidential candidates, and of course, the four women known as the squad have proposed various levels of theft as a way to raise some money so that could help pay for the things they propose to give away for free. AOC, for example, wants a 70% tax on the income of $10 million or more, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, of course, would go even higher. Elizabeth Warren even proposes theft on non-triggering event wealth. In other words, if you own more than a certain amount, and I believe her proposal is a value of $1 billion, then you would have 2% of your wealth stolen by the government. Bernie Sanders would steal 77% of your property upon your death. None of the proposed taxes would come close to funding the giveaways that have been proposed, but power, not revenue, is the idea. Now I ask you a question, folks. Is theft any more moral if it's done by majority vote in the halls of Congress than if it's done at the point of a gun in a back alley? No, theft is theft wherever it's done. It's never moral and never ethical to steal from people, whether they are wealthy or not. The sad part of this story is that most young people have bought into these ideas, poll after poll, shows a majority of young people agreeing with those who seek power by promising to steal from others by majority vote. Less than 45% of young people now view capitalism favorably. The dissatisfaction of the young is certainly understandable with their now more than a trillion dollars of student loan debt. The student loan problem was, however, caused by socialistic intervention in the education process by the government. So they seem to be saying, give us more of what caused the problem. Maybe that will fix it. Back to Venezuela for a moment, because our socialist friends in charge there tried many of the same things, including they nationalized key industries, including oil assets, and used the proceeds to fund a giant welfare state. Everything was free, including gasoline, since petroleum was the country's crown jewel. But there was no gas, no fuel of any kind. Spending on various social programs wrecked the country's finances, which led to more money printing, which, of course, made the problem worse. Inflation in Venezuela will reach 10 million percent by the end of this year, according to the International Monetary Fund. The country is on its knees. Food and medicine all but gone. Violent crime increasing rapidly. Admittedly, it's hard to tell how much of the problem is exacerbated by economic sanctions imposed by the U.S. government. Sanctions are just another example, another part of the empire that all Democrat candidates, except possibly Tulsi, 
seem to endorse. Yes, they love their wars. They love the empire, those Democrats, but they're sure we can have our wars to feed the military-industrial complex and our free stuff to feed their voters as well. Will America descend into a socialist hellhole such as Venezuela overnight? Probably not. But as Doug Casey says, socialism is a trend in motion, and trends in motion tend to stay in motion until they reach a crisis. So Americans no longer value capitalism. That seems to also be a trend in motion. I can understand why capitalism is losing popularity because government interference and decades of government relentless propaganda in our schools have all but destroyed it as the greatest engine of prosperity for the greatest number of people ever devised in history. The free markets give people and businesses what they deserve instead of what they want. In capitalism, trade and industry are controlled by private owners for a profit rather than by the state. The economy is left to its own devices rather than being managed by bureaucrats in America. We haven't had pure capitalism in many decades, but even our government interference in every business decision, government ownership of banks, is superior to what is being proposed, the free market. Individualism, personal liberty, personal responsibility, hard work, rationality, free speech, all values of Western civilization, all being swept away. There aren't many to defend them. Because the argument is intellectual, economic, and historical, cannot be swayed by emotions such as the majority seem to be swayed by at the moment. Finally, folks, it seems that the goodwill and common sense of Americans can no longer be counted on. The values of the past are being swept away in this new century. I have said that socialism is immoral because it is theft by using the brute force of government to do the stealing. It is enslaving as well because it enslaves people to the government and to another more favored class of people. It is also unethical because it violates the rule of law. Being ethical is not about obeying all the laws because ethics stands above law. Ethics is not what is legal. The law is or should be about what is ethical. Somehow we have decided that virtue is a classical abstraction with no value. So vice supplants virtue in the public square. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.